Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletaub from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Orlando is Wendy Evans. Wendy is Senior Corporate Ethics Investigator at Lockheed Martin and one of the instructors at our Fundamentals of Compliance Investigations Workshop. And today we're going to be talking about investigations. Wendy, thanks for teaching at our program. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Let me dive right in. First, what do you need in place to prepare yourself to do the interview well? That is a great introduction, Adam, and I'm so happy to be here today. You know, I say it kind of goes back to primary and secondary school. That's right. You have to do your homework. So the investigation kicks off with that intake interview with the reporter or the person who's raising the concern. And once you have their information, you review it. Did you get all the information you needed? The who, what, when, where, and even the why. So who is involved? What's alleged? What controls or policy were impacted? When did the behavior or issue occur? Where did it happen? And why did it happen? So that speaks kind of to what are the potential motivations or the reasons involved. And once you have this information, you get started preparing. Now, this means checking organizational charts, checking your case management system to see if you have previous reports involving any of the parties. Importantly, you notify human resources and the subject's manager. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Not only will they have critical insights to the work group or the subject that's involved, but they're likely going to be involved in almost every case down the line in the discipline proceeding if those allegations are later substantiated. So ideally, the reporter gave you the names of some potential witnesses, or in doing your homework, you developed logical witnesses. Those could be coworkers, direct reports, or functional peers that you can interview. And you're also gonna prepare by thinking about the data that you're gonna need. What other evidence might you need? Um, That could be expense reports, credit card transaction reports, or even audit reports. Preparation is so critical to conducting a good investigation. So speaking of preparation, in in terms of preparing for the interview itself, especially a remote one, what do you need to keep in mind to properly prepare both yourself and the subject of the interview? Great question, because today we are indeed performing so many interviews virtually. And many companies were doing that already because of our global economy. But regardless of whether that interview is in person or if it's going to be conducted on a virtual platform like Zoom or Teams or GoToMeeting, you have to prepare. So first, scheduling. That seems so fundamental, so easy, but you really have to be careful with the scheduling. You want to avoid causing anxiety in the interviewee by, for example, scheduling an interview for a Monday morning, but they get the meeting notice on a Friday, for example. Can you imagine the unnecessary worry all weekend for that person wondering what they could expect on Monday? You also, uh, a great 
tip for people out there listening, mark that meeting notice as private. Um, that is so important because I've had people tell me later, thank you so much. Uh, you know, my, my admin assistant can see my meetings or my peers can see the subject line of my meetings. So mark that meeting private and include in the meeting notice some tips to help the interviewee prepare. For example, let them know they need to be sure they're in a private location, free from distractions, or even internet connectivity issues. Encourage video interviews if you can, if it's at all possible. Uh, make sure they have a laptop camera or a webcam. And you know, that's pretty common in most work environments today. Um, I, I'm often asked, well, what do you do about somebody who is on the floor maybe they don't have a desk in a hospital setting maybe they're in a manufacturing environment and they don't have a desk or a private location um, in those cases i often work with human resources to find a private meeting room and uh, maybe just a laptop set up just for that interview in the meeting notice, be sure to provide a backup mobile or even a desk number with the understanding if there are technical issues, that interviewee is expected to call you back within a five or 10 minute window to finish the interview by phone. And you know, it's a good point. We do tend to forget that there are phones and they still do work. Um, they do work, if, yeah. If everything else is a problem, there are landlines. Now, is it once you start this interview, everything's set up, what's the best way to start? Is it best to dive in with questions or do you start by creating rapport? What works most effectively? Definitely building some rapport. You nailed it. Because can you imagine you walk into a room and someone begins asking you questions in a very clinical way, uh, in a way that might even put you on the defensive? we sometimes as investigators take our processes very much for granted we do this every day right but we need to realize the impact we're having on someone who enters the interview because that's not something that they do every day they could be nervous confused anxious maybe they may be indignant that they're having to interview um, by taking a moment just to briefly introduce yourself, explain your investigative process, and then ask them to share a little bit about themselves. It really breaks the ice and helps them open up to start answering your questions. I like to start out by asking the interviewee to tell me about your background, your education, your experience. Tell me what you do for the organization. That alone will build so much respect and trust, and it, it just sets a good foundation for the interview. That's really good to know. Now, once you start moving from that rapport building into the specific questions, where do you typically start? I mean, is it high level, specific issues? What, what makes for the best process? So people tease me that I'm the queen of analogy, but I got one for you, Adam. So okay. think of a tornado or a cyclone. They're really large, they're broad at the top. And as you move towards the ground, that tornado gets more pointed and targeted. So uh, thanks for bearing with that weather analogy, but interview questions are offered in much the same way. The investigator begins with the broad, 
open-ended questions. Those are questions that can't be answered with a yes or a no. So um, let me give you an example. You might start by asking the interviewee, so can you tell me about your normal travel schedule? That's a great way to start getting information in a non-threatening but informative way. It also helps you kind of baseline that person when they're providing just straightforward, truthful information. So then as you move down the funnel, your questions are going to get more specific. For example, on, on say the expense report uh, case I mentioned, maybe your next set of questions get a little more specific. Can we discuss the last three trips that you made? Then that interview starts to progress and the questions become even more pointed, like the place that cyclone starts to hit the ground. You may have questions like this. I need to explain this item on your expense report. I need your help because it appears to be a non-business related expense. Can you help me understand this particular expense? So that's kind of a high level analogy, but toward the end of that funnel where it hits the ground in an admission seeking interview, you have to ask those yes, no questions. And it might sound like this. Did you use your corporate credit card for these personal items? And I think I would imagine as you're going down that funnel, what's good is you're able to collect a lot of information and start identifying where a specific answer that's less than truthful is likely to disagree with something else broad that they've said. Exactly, Adam. It's all about active listening. Uh, listen, and you can't be so tied to your interview questions that you're using as a guideline that you haven't listened. Maybe they just answered the question you were about to ask next. So you definitely have to actively listen. But generally, if you follow this funnel approach, it will it will get you to uh, the information you need broadly, but then the very specific allegation that's been made. So as you're moving towards that specific allegation and all the tough questions that you have to ask, is there a good technique for handling the transition from the broad to those specific ones? A uh, great point. And that might be the hardest part of the job, arguably, um, other than providing maybe case closure feedback. It's asking those tough questions during the interview. So while the funnel approach is a path to get there, at a certain point, there is that transition where you're going from broad, open-ended questions that don't really put them on the defensive, it's information gathering, to you start asking the more direct, or some might even say confrontational, for lack of a better word, questions. Um, I found a great tip that helps the interviewer and the interviewee uh, give them a few seconds to mentally shore up or prepare psychologically for what's coming. So first of all, in their mind, they know when you do this, the tougher questions coming, whether they were just a witness to an event or if they're the subject or focus of your investigation. Still, it's going to be awkward or difficult for them to share this information in all likelihood. So an approach that I found to be really useful is to give them what I call psychological space to prepare for that tough question. I might say something like this. Okay, I have to ask you a tough question now. Now that sounds so simple, but rather than just jumping in with that pointed question, like the one I mentioned earlier, have you been using your corporate card for personal use? 
you give them a few seconds to process that that more direct question is coming. It might put them on edge to hear a tough question in an abrupt way, uh, no matter how many broad questions you first asked. But if you give them that space, if you prepare them, even with those few short words, like I'm about to ask you a tough question to expect a pointed or tougher question, it really lays a foundation for them to breathe for a moment and then answer. Interesting. Interesting. So now let's talk about the interviews over. You've asked the question you need to. Is there a way to close an interview that's better or worse than others? Well, a best practice as you conclude that interview is to ask this question. And I cannot tell you how effective this has been for me in my career with thousands of interviews. I like to ask, is there anything else I should know but didn't ask you? This can often prompt additional information that you might need. And as you finish the information gathering and you conclude the interview, it's always important to thank them. Thank them for their time and cooperation. Explain or reiterate your investigative process and importantly, share the next steps that they can expect in the investigation. Now, I like to let them know that, hey, I may have to get back in touch with you to ask some clarifying questions as the interview progresses. I like to reassure them at this point of the confidential nature of the investigation and that um, they'll be afforded the greatest confidentiality possible. Now, if this person is the subject or the target of the investigation, it's important to provide them with an opportunity to prepare a written statement. Um, now, it, it's kind of a best practice not to mandate that. They could say they felt like they were under duress, but give them that opportunity always to summarize the situation in their own words. Um, I like to provide a deadline also of a couple of days to get that statement. Um, sometimes you have people that, you know, days go on and you don't have the statement and, and it's really delaying a timely investigation. So give them a deadline to provide you with that statement. And finally, after the interview, what I like to do, and I find it to be a best practice, is send a follow-up email thanking them for their time and the information they provided, and perhaps another best practice, include a brochure that explains your process. Oftentimes during the interview, Adam, they're nervous. Uh, maybe they were so worried about the questions they were about to be asked that they kind of half heard the process explanation. So having a brochure you can give them in an email after the interview is often very appreciated because it gives them a chance to go back over the process and know what to expect next. Wendy, in, in the spirit of your closing the interview, I would ask if there's anything else I should have asked, but we're out of time. But I will thank you very much for all of these <laughs> insights today and also for being an instructor at the Fundamentals of Compliance Investigations Workshop uh, in 2024. They'll be held in January, May, September, and October. Finally, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletow from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.